I am Dr. Barbara Kiel, and some clients of mine prefer to call me Dr. Bibi. And to be honest, I quite like it. Welcome to my podcast. To be honest, a podcast that is born out of mental health efficacy. I believe in the power of intention, and my intention for this podcast is to educate whoever wishes to listen, and to make a paradigm shift in how we perceive mental illness. I also believe mental health education is key, and that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is to invest. In your own mental health. Let's face it, we all need to learn how our minds work, and have the skills to deal with life's ups and downs. And more importantly, let us strengthen our ability to better connect with and support each other. Strong, empathetic. Nurturing and caring relationships have the power to prevent everyday challenges from becoming more concerning issues like mental illness. The responsibility to renew focus on your own mental well-being begins now. Let us set the energy of this episode together. You may wish to put your hand on your heart. And close your eyes, unless you're driving or operating heavy machinery. So take a deep breath in, and as you exhale, let your thoughts go. Let your worries go. Let any tension in your body go, and let your past go. Now take a moment to plug into the greater energy of the universe. Feel your heart, and imagine us all connected in a unified field of divine white light. And know that you are safe. All is well, and so it is. So take another deep breath in. And exhale out loud with a sigh. And when you are ready, slowly open your eyes. Hello, hello! Welcome back to To Be Honest. Allow me to thank you for listening to this podcast weekly, and I hope you are proud of yourself to continue investing in your own mental health and growth. And of course, a very warm welcome to our first-time listeners. And I also sincerely hope you find the content useful and helpful for your own growth and development. Today's topic is infidelity. So let me give you the definition. The word infidelity means the breaking of trust or the act of having a romantic or sexual relationship with someone other than one's spouse or partner. Unfaithfulness to a moral obligation, meaning disloyalty. 
Now, I'm pretty sure you'll agree with me when I say one significant element of this trust is the unspoken vow that the couple will remain sexually exclusive, right? Another is that there is a certain level of emotional intimacy that is reserved for the couple, not to be shared with others. So, in other words, infidelity occurs when one partner in a relationship continues to believe that the agreement to be faithful is still in force, while the other partner is secretly violating it. To be honest, I'm not sure why I waited so long to talk about this topic. Quite frankly, many lives are touched by infidelity. So, you may be listening to this episode. Because you have discovered that your mate is involved in an infidelity, or you are being unfaithful and are feeling conflicted about it, or you are the third party in an affair and feeling uncomfortable about it, or you are the child of someone involved in an infidelity. Or you are the parent of someone involved in or affected by an affair or other type of infidelity. Or you are a friend, physician, psychotherapist, lawyer, or clergy person who is helping someone troubled by an affair or other type of infidelity. Now it is my intention that this topic will help you to understand how infidelity comes about, what can be learned from it, and how it can be survived. Now let's talk about the moment of discovery. Yes, the moment you realize that your mate has been unfaithful, you definitely will feel overwhelmed or even shocked. Then most likely fear and disbelief. You are flooded with thoughts such as, "How long has this been going on? Does this mean my relationship is over? How many other people know? How could I have ever trusted him? How could she do this to me? How could I ever trust this person again, even if I wanted to? Is this the first time it has happened? How could I be so blind? How can I be so stupid? Should I confront him about this right now?" If not now, when should I just ignore it? Maybe it's just a passing thing. Should I set a trap? Should I talk with other people about it? And soon you realize, accompanying these thoughts is a rush of feelings such as rage, shame, hurt, jealousy, numbness, powerless, betrayal, fear, uncertainty, loneliness, and despair. To be honest, some people are so overcome at the moment of discovery that they have profound physical reactions. Many of my clients have reported bouts of vomiting or diarrhea. Others, normally the calmest of people, have screamed themselves hoarse, broken objects, or physically attacked the unfaithful mate. Some have considered suicide. Others, homicide. Yes, indeed, it's no exaggeration. For most people, this experience can be traumatic. As a matter of fact, majority of my clients report that at the moment of discovery, their predominant feeling is that all hope is lost, 
and that the relationship is over. Now, it may come as a surprise to you. Some of the marriages and relationships that I have treated because of infidelity have not only survived, but improved. Keep listening and you will discover that in many instances, there are factors that have led to the infidelity and that if both parties are willing to work together to repair these circumstances or behaviors, their relationship will be greatly enhanced. Now, there may be another surprise to you. Just as the discoverer of infidelity suffers, it's obvious, the person whose unfaithfulness is discovered may also be filled with painful thoughts and feelings. Yes, actually, the unfaithful partners are often not at all sure that they really want to end their relationships. They seem to have put all of their thoughts and feelings about their unfaithfulness in another part of their mind. So it's as if being unfaithful had nothing to do with their long-term relationship. Until, of course, their actions are discovered or they sense that they are on the verge of being revealed, many people never even imagined that they would be found out. Yes, imagine that. And that leads me to the topic of denial, which is an unconscious act. It's not as if you will yourself to deny. It simply happens. For instance, in most infidelity cases, the discoverer has been increasingly plagued with fleeting thoughts that, hmm, something is not quite right. Or intuitively, they know something is wrong. Somehow, these thoughts are so unacceptable that they remain in denial until the weight of evidence is so overwhelming that it must be faced head on. Now, if you had or have recently discovered your partner's infidelity, I bet you may now recall a series of circumstances which, with hindsight, indicated that something was going wrong. These might include changes in work habits, sudden and unexplained expenses, and even warning from friends that they suspected something. So if you are totally honest with yourself, you see that at a deeper level, you may have been denying that there was some meaningful decline in the quality of the marriage or relationship, one that you may have ignored for a long, long time and never talked about. There is another thing. When people are in denial, their unconscious plays a trick on them. It is as if all tracks of the offending thought or feeling have been obliterated. By contrast, there are situations in which people are very conscious of what they are doing, but develop the ability to disconnect that awareness from other aspects of their lives. And when that happens, it's called compartmentalization. I'm sure you have heard of this term. More often than not, compartmentalization and denial exist side by side. Beyond the ability to compartmentalize the affair, 
the partner who has been unfaithful is often also in denial about problems in the marriage or relationship. So there you see, it's not just the partner that is hurt can be in denial, but also the unfaithful one. So whether a couple can survive this experience, one determining factor is the type of infidelity that the couple is experiencing. So let's talk about the types of infidelity. Now, each type of infidelity brings with it its own problems, and each may require different types of help if the situation is to improve. All right, I think the best way to explain the different types of infidelity is to share different cases with you. So the first one is one night stands. Of course, the names I'm going to use they are pseudo names, meaning they are not real. Okay, I often use Jack and Jill, so I'm going to stick with、uh, Jill. So when Jill came to me one day in a highly agitated state, she shared with me that she had recently、uh, went on a business trip, and there she met a man、uh, with whom she had a few drinks and ended up in his room where they had sex. And she shared that by the next morning she was feeling awful. The night before she had felt excited and powerful. But when she awakened in the morning, she felt entirely different. Her mind was racing with thoughts like, "Did anyone see us go off to the room? We were both so drunk, and in the heat of the moment, we didn't even bother to use a condom. How can I be so stupid? What a stupid thing to do! What if I got STD from this man? I don't even know him. Should I tell my husband?" Jill then went on to tell me that that was her first time and that it's going to be her last. So through further conversation with Jill, she felt her marriage was satisfying for both her and her husband. That their love life was excellent, and they felt, for the most part, very close and could talk easily with one another. Nonetheless, she still feared his reaction should she choose to reveal her one-night stand to him. The next type of infidelity is philandering. Now, I have never ever treated a philanderer who came willingly to therapy. Well, at least not yet. The example that I'm going to give you in this second, I'm going to stick with the pseudo names of Jack and Jill again. So, in other words. Jack was no exception. He told me the only reason he had agreed to do couples counseling was because his wife Jill had told him that her next move would be to see a divorce lawyer. During the first meeting, Jill could barely contain her rage, and that's absolutely understandable. I remember she frequently arose from her seat to pace around the room, and she yelled at Jack. You have been playing around for years, and as soon as Jack denied it all, she reached into her bag and flung a set of papers at him, and continued to scream at Jack. Look what I found! Your precious little black book. Yes, unfortunately, what it turned out to be was a computer printout containing the names of women, the cities in which he had met them, the hotels in which they had stayed, and what looked like some kind of rating system. 
So once he was confronted with this evidence, Jack admitted that Jill was correct. He liked to find a woman, take her to bed, and then forget about her. Almost every night he was on the road. He also protested that he truly loved Jill, and he wanted desperately to continue their marriage. At that time, he was terribly frightened by Jill's anger and appeared anxious to continue the marriage. Nonetheless, he maintained that he couldn't understand why it was so important to Jill, since it had no meaning to him. And this always happened outside her sight. So for Jack, any regret or sorrow he felt was connected only to her discovery rather than to his actions. Had she not found out, he would have continued his customary behavior without any trouble at all. All right. The next type of infidelity is affairs. Now, when I first met Jack and Jill, they had been married for roughly twenty years. They came to couples counseling together. Uh, neither complained of any particular crisis that brought them to my consultation room, but both agreed that they wanted、um, better communication skills. They did not seem very strongly motivated to make much change in what they agreed was an okay, but not a great marriage. And guess what? After a few meetings and with no particular warning, they stopped therapy. So about. A few years later, I received a desperate call from Jack, and he had just discovered that during the time they had in counseling, and for several months before, Jill had been having an affair with a mutual friend. Let's call him James. Worst of all, the affair was on again and was now more open. So when I saw them together again, Jill for the first time admitted that she was in a relationship with James, and that she felt very confused. She wasn't sure she wanted to end her marriage with Jack. She said she knows Jack is a nice human being, and they had shared many happy experiences. Their son was about to marry, and this seemed a particularly ironic time, even to be thinking about ending their twenty-some-year marriage. Yet, at the same time, she could not bear the thought of giving up her relationship with James. Jack was equally torn. He felt that he loved Jill, but was enraged by her relationship with James. He felt bewildered and betrayed. How could he not have known? It was the lies that hurt him even more than the realization that she had been having sex with another man. It had made their whole life together a sham. What had been true and what a lie. All right, my audience, we are almost out of time, and、uh, let me end this episode by saying this. One of the common threads running through each of the three types of infidelity that I just shared with you is the experience of trauma by each of the participants. And of course, we shall continue to explore further in the next episode. So, thank you for listening. I appreciate you all. And until next week, stay safe, learn heaps, and find the courage to be honest. Bye for now. 
you can find this podcast. To be honest, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and my website, www. drbarbarakiao. com. D R B A R B A R A K I A O. com. 